we'll see how it goes. Great. I'm gonna maybe put on my fleece. <laughs> fleece, friends. Fleece, friends. <laughs> fleece, friends. This is the We Have Little Faith podcast, um, a podcast where we talk about the concept of faith, what it looks like in people's lives and what it means for our world today. I hope you enjoyed that um, fire remix I made of our intro music. <laughs> That's me and Katie messing around. Katie is my first guest. She is my cousin. She's my friend. She's someone who thinks deeply about things and she's someone who has a real heart for the marginalised and the oppressed in our world. Um, throughout the podcast conversation slash interview you will see the evolution of her faith um is sort of what we focus on um and you'll see that we talk about all of the concepts that i mentioned in episode zero katie is a very interesting person and she's someone who has a very beautiful faith i think i say about 20 times towards the end of the interview but i really find her her hope and her faith something very inspiring to me and i love her interpretation of the message of Jesus and uh, what it could mean for our world today. I, I I really find it very, very inspiring. So I do hope you enjoy this conversation that we had. Um, and yeah, I'll talk to you on the other end of it, I guess. Um, until then, um, happy listening. Katie and I have been cousins. <laughs> have been. <laughs> Katie and I are cousins. Um, <laughs> have been friends a lot of our lives. Yes. Let's say... Um, and I want to think about a lot of these topics uh, that I explained in Podcast Zero so go check that out if you haven't listened to it um, I feel like a lot of time I talk to you about them mm. um, growing up walking to our friend's housing estate yes. we lived in one housing estate and it was like a 15 minute walk away from our other friends and so we'd always walk together so we kind of like had a debrief mm. every time on the way home and sort of a good catch up on the way there too so um. Yeah, I, I guess I just wanted to talk to you about your faith and your faith journey. Sort of focus mm-hmm. on that, like, um, and yeah. So, could you tell me just a little bit about what your first experiences of um the idea of faith were and how that was presented to you mm-hmm. as a child and what that was sort of like for you? Yeah. Um. <laughs> Here we go with the M's and the ums. Yeah, man, I know. There's gonna be so many. I'll just just embrace it. <laughs> okay, I'm embracing it. My first memory um, of faith was was from my parents. My I grew up in a similar um, environment as Verona, where my parents were Catholic but charismatic Catholics. So they uh, spoke in tongues. They had worship and um, raising their hands. Uh, praying over people, laying hands on people, and that was kind of the background I grew up in. So I, I always heard about God. I always heard about Jesus. Um, Definitely, we have a very similar background in the mm-hmm. like obviously part of the same family. So. Yes. <laughs> Even that, like, but um, yeah, the Catholic and the charismatic. And so, as you grew up, do you feel like your perception of God changed, or like what was your sort of early perceptions of who God was and? Um, what that looked like to you or what that meant to you 
I think I was blessed by having parents that gave me a beautiful image of God. Um, they would always talk about the love and the mercy, um, the father's heart, mm. how God is a father and he wants the best for you and how he wants you to be yourself and how he has a plan for your life. I had a very nice image of God, mm -hmm. I would say. Uh, and that's from my parents passing that on to me. Um, I thought God was exciting because of them. I thought, you know, he he had this plan for me. Uh, and I was so excited. I would yeah. see myself back then at like 14, 13. Yeah, and even to my later years, 17. My later years. <laughs> you know, I'm so old at 17. <laughs> but like, as I grew up a bit more, I was still very much enthusiastic about faith about Christianity mm. and I remember just having so many experiences of like deep love for God mm. um, and sort of revelations about Jesus and how he was so loving and it would always I was very much in enthralled with yeah. with this faith uh, of course I had the uh, other side of it where I would worry if, if God is going to judge me is he going to put me in hell if I do something wrong that stuff did linger in the back of my mind but I think because of my parents and their the way they lived out their mm -hmm. faith that's what they passed on to me so I feel very blessed in that my image of the divine was quite beautiful yeah, and very something. loving yeah. so it wasn't something I was ever afraid to approach um, and my parents are very much um, free free with God and I always felt like they just brought them, them their vulnerability towards God especially my mom and I never felt afraid to go to the to the divine I never felt like he was he hated me or he had I had to do something to get to him yeah and that that I'm very thankful for so that was kind of my experience and how I felt was just quite in love with this God and very enthusiastic about Christianity and going to worship sessions yeah. you know I'd be like the one up the top with my hands in the air <laughs> screaming out blessed be your name you know yeah. I was very much I Matt was, Redmond yes <laughs> I was like yep fangirl of Matt Redmond and Hillsong and all of that that was that was very much me at 17 yeah. did you feel like that was a real part of your identity was how you how you identified yourself as like a, a, Christ, a Christian yes person definitely yeah definitely I felt very much that I was fulfilling the identity that my parents, that my community wanted me to feel. Yeah. Um, I was that, you know, enthusiastic, on fire for God kind of young person. Yeah, yeah. So I very much claimed that identity and walked in it. Mm. Uh, definitely. Yeah, I feel similar mm. in that. But I also really enjoyed it. Like, I feel yeah. sometimes... When I talk to people about it, I'm like, yeah, I was kind of that person. People mm -hmm. are like, oh, you were playing a role. I was like, no, I wasn't. Like, that was my life. Like, I <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I, yeah. I still sometimes, you Look know, back on those memories and you're like, wow, you know. Filled with so much joy and, like, yeah, good. Like, I remember even chatting to you. I think we were at a sleepover. I was just about to bring this yeah. memory. I was going to say that earlier, actually. <laughs> it's a very good depiction of our friends. Yes. All the rest of our friends are asleep. I think at 4 a.m. and I was like, Prana. <laughs> What hell? <laughs> and you were like, well, C.S. Lewis says. And I was like, Brenna, you're so wise. <laughs> Brenna, you're 14 wise. <laughs> yes, Brenna was very, like, educated. She would read C.S. Lewis and... 
I don't think I was that educated. I just think <laughs> I just thought I was. No, you were for 14 years old and you were like giving me these one-liners yeah. from C.S. Lewis. I was like, damn. And I was like, you should read Screwtape Letters. <laughs> <laughs> I actually told someone to read Screwtape Letters and they told me later that that really messed them up for a long time. <laughs> It's like I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love that book. Um, but yeah, I think I remember. I think that was yeah. Everyone else is asleep. We're all lying on our, co- our other cousin Keelan's couch. Like all of us on the one couch. Like what? There's seven everyone, girls. <laughs> everyone's asleep. Like it's four a.m. We're like, what? Like how can God be loving and have hell? <laughs> mm-hmm. And the devil? Like can the devil get you? Like who has the power in those situations? And yeah, man. Those are, I think, the struggles that we had growing up with our faith, we always talked about. Yeah. And I think it always came back to, like, our parents' views of Mm -hmm. God, which is God is love and God is the Father. And it's kind of shown in a very charismatic, open-hearted way where it's like, yeah, we're going to be full of, filled with joy and filled up to the top with this experiential god mm. where you can, you can enter in dance you can yeah. raise your hands you can yeah and know you can come to the him boldly you know that mm. was what we were always told but i definitely remember that night and you telling me something about how god has has the power and at the end of the day it's god who i can't even remember what you said <laughs> but then i remember after you giving some like explanation for it that i was like wow that's really good you were like okay katie i think I'm tired now. <laughs> okay, Brenna. And then we just went to sleep and I just, I was only just thinking about that. That's so crazy. funny. Yeah, I was thinking about like, yeah, it goes back a long way. But I think <laughs> what I was trying to say with that is like, those revelations you have about life and about mm. like truth and they like really resonate within you and you're like, oh, that's so true. Yeah. And maybe we used a different language for it now than we would have used back then. Like, I don't know if I would say anymore like, oh, the devil Mm-hmm. is out to get you and god is so I, I don't know but to me those things still ring true like there's still a tr- you know, i don't know really what i'm trying to say there but i think what i'm saying is that i think both of our theologies and worldviews have changed a lot but those experiences and the <clears throat> truth that you experience doesn't change yes three of them yes um so i was gonna ask you as well about like i know we both grew up catholic as well and mm-hmm. I think we actually did have quite a unique experience of sort of that more, I would say, evangelical Christianity mm-hmm, yeah. within a Catholic context. Yes. And also growing up in Ireland, which is a spicy meatball of <laughs> Catholicism and post-Catholicism and yeah. sort of, I mean, the church here mm-hmm. just really wasn't great. Wasn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that's the understatement <laughs> of the century. Um, so yeah, and that hurt is so close yeah. to Irish people. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, what was your experiences being a Catholic in Ireland? Yeah, I mean, again, my parents were were Catholic by tradition, but I wouldn't say we were the most Catholic household. Hmm. Um. We didn't focus much on Catholicism as maybe your family. I know yeah. your family would read the... Said yeah. um, the, the Rosary. Said the Rosary and the book, the book, the Catechism, yes. <laughs> the very important book of my faith. Uh, you know, I didn't really have that as so you, central. What you're saying is you don't have two statues of Mary. 
what I'm saying is we have no statues of Mary. Actually, out. <laughs> we have one tiny statue of Mary in our house, and yeah. that shows the difference <laughs> a little bit. We have eleven. Uh, Rona has eleven, so there you go. That kind of um, shows the difference. But uh, yeah, my parents didn't focus much on on Catholicism, but my favorite memory um, and thing, something I still carry with me is. Uh, I asked my mom once about communion, about the body of Christ that we receive in the Catholic Church and kind of the Mass is centred around that experience. Mm, yeah, the Eucharist. I asked her, because of, as Catholics we believe Jesus actually becomes that bread, that he is, uh, what is the word, he is incarnated. In yeah, yeah, I don't know, he, yeah. no, the bread becomes Jesus and it's kind of this Transubstantiation. Yes, yeah, that is the word. Um... I asked my mum about it. I said, I don't know if I can believe that. And my mum said, look, I can't make you believe anything. And I don't want you, I don't want to make you believe anything. But for me, I'm touched when I take that communion. To me, I feel close to God. Mm. And that's the only thing I can tell you. And so my mum very much carried a experiential experience mm. of the Catholic Church. For her, yeah. it wasn't necessarily about the theology or the, the catechism, uh, the rules. It mm. was just that something in her heart changed when she had communion. And she came to faith through nuns. My mum didn't grow up a Christian in a, in a, in a very Christian household mm. the way I did. And these little nuns, as my mum calls them, came to her and her friend one day and invited them to a Bible study and yeah so my mom has a very tender relationship i'd say with the catholic church that always always really was nice to Mm. watch um because it's something she kind of came to herself then yeah and something she experienced like that that experience for her going to this bible study changed the trajectory of her life Mm. and ended up you know my my dad met her eventually through Christian groups and without those nuns like my mum and dad would never have had me so, you know because they would not have met because my mum wouldn't have been a Christian and and so my mum always had that kind of experience with the Catholic Church now um, I always struggled as on the other on the other side of the coin I struggled with Catholic Church mm-hmm. as an enthusiastic kind of more evangelical perspective at 17 years old I was like why is it so boring you know why do we all sit there like we should be alive we should be you Mm. know uh praising God you know that was kind of me and I was like this is so boring of course nobody wants it nobody in Ireland wants you know and I went to a very catholic school as well I remember always fighting with my teacher about uh about certain things I just felt it was so religious yeah so so structured didn't feel there was room for freedom and you know it's all about the love of god why can't we focus on the love of god yeah. right? you know and that was very much me at that age and that uh, my teacher asked my mom and my dad at a parent teacher meeting once can katie not speak in religion class anymore because <laughs> i would literally be challenging every word she said <laughs> uh, so for me i struggled a lot with it actually to the point where i i said to one of my friends a bit later listen I don't think I'm going to be a Catholic anymore and I want to become non-denominational I don't want any denomination 
A little nom de nom. A little nom de nom. <laughs> I was going down that road, you know, I was ready to go. And he actually said to me, just wait and and think about it a bit longer. Mm. Um, and so since that time, my, my kind of understanding has broadened and my I feel like my heart has opened a bit more to some of the practices and the traditions of the Catholic Church. And also has become aware, as you were saying, mm. of the hurt that it caused in this land and uh, yeah yeah. yeah you look at like the institution of it mm-hmm. um, how it got mixed with power oh, yeah and how sometimes st- like still in the world it is and I think I, yeah. I still struggle with that and I think I definitely I think I had a bit of a different experience to you where I, I liked the religious element of it mm. I liked that um, mass was the same everywhere you went in the world and I didn't really appreciate that until I was like in Spain <laughs> on a <laughs> language exchange and I honestly couldn't speak a word of Spanish and I just felt so out of myself. I felt so out of my element. Yeah. The way I would talk to people and like communicate and connect with people was through chatting and like, you know, making a fool of myself and like joking. And mm-hmm. when I couldn't do that, I didn't know who I was and I went to mass. And even though I was in Spanish, going through that ritual, I think yeah. it was the ritual of it that I then began to appreciate. But I think definitely that like rage at like why why do you have to say like exactly the same thing in exactly the same way every way like there's no room for me there's no room for personality there's no room for change you know what are you doing saying in your church go out to the world and I was very much like that as well Mm -hmm. so I do I do get that struggle but um yeah I think there is a difference between the institution of the catholic church and then the experiential of Catholicism and like of the sacraments the sacraments mm-hmm. and even the tradition which I kind of came to a bit later on um, but um, yeah I was going to ask you about your time with um, the missions organisation mm-hmm. that you worked with and sort of how yeah because I feel like we've got to a point in your life where secondary school is sort of what we're talking about now yes. um, so after secondary school what do you decide to do? <laughs> mm. so Secondary school ended and I didn't get enough points for the course that I wanted to do. Mm. I was, I think, 10 points off becoming a midwife or studying to be a midwife. And so that kind of threw me off a bit of my tracks mm. as I thought that was definitely what I was going to do. I was going to live in Dublin. I was going to, you know, that was kind of what I was thinking was going on and then I didn't get the points. And so it was about August... Uh, before everyone, all my friends were starting college and I still didn't know what I wanted to do. My mom suggested to me that uh, I should do a, I should do a DTS, a discipleship training school with a missions organization, kind of evangelical sort of yeah, movement. Yeah, um, yeah. I was very hesitant, very yeah. hesitant because <laughs> I did not like change. I still struggle with change, to be honest. And I loved my life here and everything was going fine for me. I was kind of like, I don't want to do this and I don't know what it's going to be like. But I I went ahead anyway and I did it because I had really nothing else to do, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest with you. Uh, And I went along and, you know, it was everything my enthusiastic uh, Christian self loved. You know, like, Mm. it was worship. It was praying out. It was stepping into faith and you know dancing and Mm. (laughs) in worship you know I love I genuinely loved it 
um we went on mission trips we went to, i went to uh rwanda and burundi I kind of in the first six months got to travel a bit and i was like this is incredible and that was kind of that now from there a lot changed but uh yeah like how, that was how, kind of how did that experience of i know cause our our background is that like most people we grew up with mm-hmm. and that we encounter and their spirituality is very similar to ours in that yeah most of them are from catholic families or protestant families but grew up in ireland yeah uh, so that's everyone's experience really and then also this um even like this um charismatic yeah. expression um so when you for me it was really interesting to encounter so many different theologies and so many different backgrounds and i remember coming in as a catholic who had read their catholicism and who had also had experience of like a charism being like i've got the whole bag like i've got everything <laughs> you know i've got both sides i've got i've got their tradition that's in the yes. bag yeah put that got, in the basket yeah <laughs> <laughs> got the backing of the whole Catholic Church, yes. Um, and then also like, yeah, no, I can be cool and I can experience hip. God too. Yeah, hip. So can like, listen to Hill song. <laughs> I know the words. Yeah. 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 And what? <laughs> <laughs> got the Eucharist and healing prayer. What? Come at me. <laughs> um, and I think for me, it was really cool to like talk to people who were like, um, who also were well read in their traditions yeah. um, which for me as a somewhat cocky 18 year old was like good for me to experience and be like oh I have no idea what a Baptist is yeah. and who am I to be like and why can't you dance yeah. <laughs> what's up with that what's up with that <laughs> and they're like why can't you dance I'm like I'm just uncoordinated that's a whole other story <laughs> um yeah uh, so i don't know for you did you meet a lot of people of different backgrounds or were they all kind of a similar like non-denominational kind of evangelical yeah yeah i mean this is where my life really changed and the trajectory of my faith really changed mm. from what you're talking about pe- meeting people that thought differently from me and that was cool to meet those kind of people and and kind of see what they believe and but there was one specific person that changed the trajectory of my faith was actually a Palestinian friend who was there on the DTS as well. He's, he was Palestinian. Um, and he once asked me, uh, I can't even remember the question he asked me, but he was coming from a perspective of, of his family and his, his identity mm is being attacked by Christians around the world as they support Israel and mm. um, the evangelical church supporting Israel and 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 a lot of Christians backing the state of Israel and and he was coming from that point of view and he asked me about what I think of Christianity and how, what what can we do in the world mm. what do what is Christians role in the world and I said to him as a, as a very probably naive ignorant 17 year old I just think we have to love people that's all I think. You mm. just have to love people. And he's like, okay, in, in what way? Just you just love them. And he's like, he was very much challenging my my uh, ignorance, you yeah, know? Yeah. Because for him, his people are being oppressed and and uh, by, Christi- by Christians who give this answer. Just love people. Mm. And we don't have to think about our theology. Yeah, yeah, we don't yeah. have to think about the effects of our of our 
our thinking mm. and, and, and what we support. And we don't have to think about those people over there. We don't have to think about those issues. Oh, I just love people. And I, that's very mm. much what I believed. It was just because I grew up in a very nice environment. I didn't yeah. have to think about those people over there mm. until my Palestinian friend came and, and challenged me. And that conversation changed the trajectory of my faith mm. because I realized what is the answer I, I had to ask myself okay what is our answer as Christians we need to start thinking more about the people over there mm. we need to start asking ourselves what does this faith do for the Palestinian mm. what does it do for black people living in America during uh, Jim Crow what does it do for people who actually are struggling from powers and as Christians do we have nothing to say about this yeah what, what does that love look like what does it yeah. look like you know I had to change my whole faith you know and that set me on a trajectory like I keep saying just in a different way and I as I went to Rwanda went to the genocide museum what struck me more than anything was you know just a few years I think 20 or 30 years I'm so sorry if that's wrong probably should check that but not that long before the genocide in Rwanda there was a revival Christianity wow. spread all over the country Wow. people accepted Jesus into their hearts yet there was no message of what this gospel really does for society for mm. because you know a certain amount of time later they, you know, there was a genocide yeah, the and there was violence yeah. and they think it's like a million people killed in a hundred days and there was people, you know, slaughtered. Mm. So where was there substance to that Christianity that just says, accept Jesus into your heart, mm. go to worship, raise your hands, dance. But what about true transformation of, of cultures, this, this loving people, which I, I, I meant in a good way, needed to have more substance yeah and yeah. so that sparked a journey of me really asking what is christianity about what real substance does it have what real authority does it have in cultures and and what can it do for the suffering people suffering people groups the marginalized the oppressed yeah and how yeah. can it change our nations mm. um and that just opened a whole new door for me <laughs> and still has you know yeah. in many ways and I found some beautiful answers and struggled along the way too mm. had lots of doubts had lots of dark times of maybe it's nothing you know mm. maybe this is has no 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 answer mm. yeah you know but I've continued on the journey of, of, I guess, being a Christian and following Jesus because the figure of Jesus, for me, answers a lot of the questions, I think. Yeah. This is those kind of society, those that, that people can follow him and that can actually change more than just their their ticket to heaven. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because I've seen, and we've seen, like, Martin Luther King, who's, mm. who followed the, the non-violence the peace, uh, peaceful way of Jesus mm. and brought big change. Yeah. Uh, we've seen Gandhi, who apparently read the Gospels every morning, I don't know how true that is, bring change to mm. India through 
through nonviolence, through mm. through through Jesus, you know, the message of the gospel. So yeah, yeah, you know. that's good. I think when 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 you look at Christian history, well, when mm-hmm. you look at history in the West, which is dominated by you know uh, Christianity in, mm-hmm. in either you know Catholicism or also Protestantism in, in the UK and so um, and also America, it, it can be for me. I, I feel embarrassed. Mm. Um, well, I feel embarrassed when I look at the Catholic Church in Ireland, but I um, I'm so disappointed just this overwhelming disappointment mm. in people who were supposed to be Christian There's, you know for me Christian was synonymous with a good person you know yeah. like if you're following Christ like you're a good person you know, yeah that was my kind of naive idea of, and I think I was hurt when I looked at that and I was like how yeah. Can so much bad come from something that was supposed to be so good? Um, and then it gets me thinking, like, well, this power structure, like, the, the Christians in these situations are actually playing into yeah. these systems of oppression. And they're not changing them or challenging them. Like, you can find a perfectly good argument for slavery in the Gospels if you want to, you mm-hmm. know? And if you can look at Leviticus and be like, ABC, like, slavery's grand, you know? And... At the same time, you could make the exact counter-argument. I mean, that's a bit controversial to say about the Bible. I don't know. I guess when I saw... The, it seemed... It seems from afar... Um, that... Sometimes, like, for me, my experiential... Experience of God, like, you know, that you were saying, mm. like, within our, our upbringing... Didn't go far enough yeah. to answer the problems in the world. Yeah. It didn't... It addressed my emotional needs which unreal. is totally needed yeah that and i'm not degrading mm. that because i think a lot of the issues in the world come from people having their own internal issues yes. but when i looked out at our answer our good news how good is it how good is it mm-hmm. if it's not challenging those things if it's not making any difference yeah so change change <laughs> tell me about it <laughs> i'll tell you about it so from there the realizing those kind of things coming to those revelations uh, yeah it was important for me if my faith was to stay alive i had to mature yeah. in how i view, view different yeah. things i had to grow up from my ignorance and my naivety um well, i think that's really interesting because what a lot of people do in that situation is when their faith is challenged in that way they either recede back mm-hmm. into this kind of naive comfortable place where you're like well in the next world all of these struggles will we'll be go will go away and <laughs> i can just live now with god and he doesn't affect the world so then when when it's all over after the old apocalypse happens yeah i'll you know the rapture and i'm up with god and everything's <laughs> good um but I think that's really cool and really brave even. I don't, I don't know the right mm. word for it, but um, that you were like, no, if I want to have a faith yeah. that that impacts and that matters and that is enough, uh, I need to go out and change the way that I view some things. Exactly. So yeah. what do you think would be the main ways that changed? I know you said reading the Bible, how you read the Bible changed. Yeah. Could you explain sort of some ways in which... That what that looks like yeah, yeah yeah i just 
learned to see the Bible as a a story of mm. a people getting to know God. Yeah, wow. So yeah. a story of people understanding God and that it's written by people. It's written by people like me and you who have our own biases, our own upbringings, mm. uh, our own naivety, our own ignorance. But yet they wrote down their experience of God or stories about their God. And as the Bible goes on, Jesus is revealed and learning to see Jesus as the word made flesh, the word of God, instead of the Bible, helped me to understand that not everything in the Bible is completely true or completely what we need to live out. So when it says, don't eat shrimp, or it says, (laughs) you know, don't mix two different types of cloth, like that was for that time. Mm. And, and jesus is the the eternal like the the word um so in that sense like mm. learning to read the bible in that way helped me to kind of understand that um when it when it doesn't speak up against slavery when it when it doesn't speak up for women Mm. when it doesn't speak up for um the people that you find jesus sticking up for and there's a contradiction actually what Jesus has to say goes as he is the word of God and that was theology that like helped me to see that yeah um yeah that's yeah I think you know actually the beginning of 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 the New Testament Mm -hmm. they have that you know in the beginning was the word yeah the word was with God the word was God yeah all things are made through him and nothing was out of him and like I think seeing that's such a beautiful image of of and what a paradigm shift hi welcome mm-hmm. to my ted talk paradigm shift you know <laughs> but like what a paradigm shift and how instead of being like no i have something written down like a law mm. um in this book um and all the answers are in here but that jesus wow what, what a beautiful idea that jesus is is the living word of god yeah. incarnate wow that's really cool um i actually had never properly thought that out so that's cool mm. um you could say the Bible is the stable that Jesus was born into. Ooh, what a nice image. That is not from my own thoughts. I heard that from somebody else. Shout out to whoever that was. But the Bible... <laughs> you know who you are. You know who you are. Oh, name names. But the Bible is the stable in which Jesus was born into. The Bible sets up the story for Jesus. It gives a context to it. It gives a place that Jesus could be born into. Just mm. like Jesus was born in a stable, as it says in the Bible, you know not perfect but it's yeah. it's beautiful jesus so, the 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 eternal the the divine was born into this book it was born into the stable um wow and yeah. and can i ask um do you see jesus as god yeah yes yes okay. yeah. i mean just clearing up I just, a good day. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a difficult it's a no it's a difficult question but as the divine as the yeah. divine <laughs> so your perspective on the Bible changed um, and did your perspective on who God was like who mm. Jesus is and his message did that change for you or did that sort of stay very central and the same no it changed as well it changed um, from seeing Jesus as a personal saviour in my heart which was a beautiful thing for me you know as I said in my earlier in the earlier in the podcast like that was a beautiful experience of having a personal Jesus coming yeah. into my seven-year-old heart and I felt happy. That was yeah. amazing. 
but it had to get beyond that. It had to grow up. It had to mature. And so Jesus then became uh, that, and as well as that, um, somebody who has something to say for the suffering, for the people living under unjust situations, you know. He had, he, he came into the heart. He came into that as Palestinian man. That's also God. And showed how to deal with, with oppressors. You know, when, when, when somebody slaps you, as he says, turn the other cheek. I used to see that as just be nice little Christians and then Hmm. just... You know, don't have conflict. Don't have conflict. Yes, yeah. don't, exactly. Don't 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 fight. You know. You know, just let it happen, and mm. and that's no, that's actually through theology again, through better theology, I would say, uh, or just different theology. Um, I learned that actually, when you read that in the context of the time, uh, when when somebody slapped you, they would slap you with the back of their hand mm. to show you that they are, you are less than them, that you. You know, you're not on the same level. But then if somebody slaps you with the back of their hand, you have to turn your cheek. As Jesus says, turn the other cheek. And then they would slap you with the palm of their hand. Now, when somebody in that in those days slapped you with the palm of their hand, it meant they were treating you as an equal. Yeah. So you would expose their, uh, what they've done. And you also ask for respect and dignity. If you're going to slap me, slap me like an equal. Yeah. You know? Slap me that's, like a, that's a power move. Yeah. Like, power move you know and it's actually the opposite of what I thought it was I just needed to read people who actually know the context of Jesus's time and could explain it to me and what was happening you know and another one is Jesus says take if somebody asks you to take off their your outer garment take off their undergarment back in the time of Jesus when you were naked it shamed the other person yeah not yourself that's that's what we've come to know about that time so jesus is saying when someone you know tries to embarrass you and tries to treat you as you know take advantage of take advantage of you you say now like i'm on the street you ask me to take this off watch me be naked and you're going to be the one that's ashamed yeah right now and and uh there's even more if you you know i could go through it all what i learned from uh, theologians and like yeah about this context, about this time, and, and Jesus' power moves, like really power moves, taking power in a non-violent way. Yeah. Um, this that's, is Jesus. That's really, really me. interesting. <laughs> so when so when you say that, when, when you read the scriptures, not as this infallible book, yeah. um, that can seem like to some people, especially very, very traditional Christians, that you're taking power away from it. Mm-mm. But it seems like in your experience that then actually gave it so much more it gave it more like I've never heard that story about the slapping the hand like that is such such a what a beautiful keep saying beautiful but like what a beautiful message really Mm. you know Um, and yeah that's mm? (laughs) that's beautiful beautiful (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah and so how does that like play out in your life now um mm. i guess because you know we can talk about theology and be like yeah. yeah you know back in the day but what does that look like to you now um this new this new perspective of of the divine of of um of faith you yeah know? i mean i'm still very much on the journey 
and I'm very much feel like I'm a pilgrim of the faith. I very much feel like I'm still early in the days, and I in no way live this out perfectly. And even you know, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to grow, and eventually, and I'm praying and and and, and hoping that I can, I can be somewhat like Jesus in my life where when I'm wronged uh, I ask for dignity but I do not take revenge because yeah. an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind and yeah. and trying to live that out in my relationships but also for me I'm studying right now about like you know different issues going on in the world I'm trying to educate myself about them before I could even speak or say anything on them trying to educate myself on yeah. on these issues and 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 ask god ask you know people people of faith okay what 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 can christians do about this what has the gospel got to say about the palestinian crisis about you know climate change yeah yeah climate change what what what's christians roles in it you know like should should is the whole world burning down and and is this God's plan for the world? Yeah, you know, is yeah. the whole world burning down? We're yeah. all going to heaven anyway, so we don't need to take care of the environment. But Jesus came as a body. Jesus came as part of an ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. You know, God is saying being human and being part of the world is, is a good thing. By Jesus becoming incarnate of the world, he's saying the world is good. He wants to redeem it. Wow. And that means what I do to this environment, That's that means what i what i do to it is important because yeah. jesus gives it dignity by becoming it god becoming flesh and in part of an ecosystem you know and and uh yeah i think that's a yeah so cool they, they're kind of things that are shaping how i view view things how i start to act how I, you know as an irish person and the, the trouble of ireland and mm. and the, the conflicts that we've had you know and then between with the Catholic Church and Protestant and the, all that stuff is like it's becoming for me I need to become an advocate for peace I need to become an advocate for non-violence I need to become an advocate for refugees coming into our yeah. country um, I'm nowhere there yet but I want to get there and and I hope and I feel Jesus leading me there as he is calling me into a life like him and yeah that's really really cool I think the way you're talking about it it seems like where you were before with your faith was just something very personal and mm. you know beautiful in itself but when you dug deeper and sort of really questioned it it became instead of receding back into the, like, what we we're saying you it actually became a motivation and became a way in which to confront these problems in the world mm -hmm. instead of being an escape from them yes it's a, another way another yeah. way to deal with them like you were saying with martin luther king and, and with gandhi that the another way there there is another way yeah. instead of participating in the that struggle you turn the other cheek like what a lovely image I really like that I guess as sort of a to sum up like I know it's hard to sum up these things but mm. what would you say is the main 
thing that has changed in your faith, like mm. in your view of God, the, the, the one, and if you had, you know, been able to talk to your 15 year old self, what, what, what would you have said to them? Mm. You know? Well, what I would have said is keep going because you're going to find some beauty. You're going to find some doubt. That's okay. You're going to have to re change some things. And that's all part of life growing up, changing. Yeah. It's part of life, you know, and that's what I probably would have said or would say to my 15 year old self who was raising her hands and worshiping my heart out, you know, so you're going to find beauty. Keep going with this. Um, and I think for me, the summing up of my faith is when Jesus says, what you do to the least of the is what you do unto me. This is to me everything. If I really love Jesus the way I did when I was 17, mm -hmm. 15, as a personal Lord and Savior of my life, if I loved him, then what I do to the least in this world is what I do unto my Savior, unto yeah. my God. And how much that changes how I view the least of thee and everybody, you know? Uh, but especially that. So... That's kind of this, this, I don't know, it's hard to sum up faith, but I guess that's the thing that my heart is in. And, uh, yeah, like yeah. At, the, at the times when you struggle the most, you look to that yeah. phrase, perhaps. Yeah. And uh, especially, another thing is, God is love, you know. I know it's very basic, but, and you probably hear it a lot, I see it a lot, but if you're loving, you're not going far outside of the divine actually you're very much in it and to me that has kept me warm you know from the kind of maybe meaninglessness of the world sometimes or the suffering for no meaning no n nothing you know yeah, yeah. and hard times that I've been through or watch other people go through that that love wins I guess it, God is love the creator made this all on love and is redeeming it all to himself again through love peace revolution and uh even suffering suffering mm -hmm. um you shared a poem with me a little earlier um and i was wondering if you could just um explain the context in which you wrote it and then maybe read it for us just as to kind of sum up this podcast i know Katie is a poet, um, and she doesn't and, like that word. And I don't like people to know it. <laughs> oh, Katie is a poet, um, and she's a creative, and um, I've loved, um, I love how honest you are about your experience. I really want to thank you for sharing so openly on this podcast. Mm. I know. I hope it kind of made a little bit of sense, <laughs> and if it didn't, sure. Look. Yeah, you just gotta put these things out there, and just have just have trust that people will. Uh, you know, give you the benefit of the doubt on it. Mm. Um, so I was wondering if you could share that with us, like, now, or we could even pause and come back to it, but go for now, and sure, you know. Yeah, whatever. so this is a poem, um, again, just, like, on my faith, and on, on just me expressing uh, the faith that I have, and the faith that I have in the cross of Jesus, um, expressing... I mean, I was watching, the reason why I wrote it is I was watching a documentary and reading about what's happening, you know, in Syria 
and uh, it was just like so I just felt so heavy hearted about it and just like what is the hope of this you know like what god what is what is this all about you know mm. and I look up on my wall and I see a little plaque of Jesus on the cross and I kind of was annoyed at how clean it was like like Jesus died brutally on the cross you know mm. under torture under um, crucifixion like that yeah left there to hang and then we put it up in our churches and, and we put it in gold and we put it you know like in this lovely little way and I was kind of just like oh I'm annoyed at that you know um, and so I wrote this just to express like Jesus like where are you and so uh, this, this is how it goes uh, yeah Let's go for it. And before we head on to Katie's poem, uh, which I'm actually going to use as our outro today, I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has, you know, subscribed already and who who listened to episode zero and for you for listening to this, making it the whole way through this episode. Um, Apologies for all my giggling that's so close to the microphone. Um, I'll know for the next time not to do that. Um, But, you know, it's all a big learning curve and hopefully I'll get better at this whole interview conversation thing as well um yeah big thank you to everyone i really feel like there was such a warm response and i i feel very supported in this project so thank you very much i um love doing this and i want to make lots more so you know comment what you would like me to talk about and you know we'll try focus on that next time you can subscribe now we're on itunes we're on spotify and yeah i still don't have a good outro so I'm just going to say stay groovy <laughs> again um, but yeah here's Katie's poem it's really beautiful and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did bye see you next time how dare they put your body so clean and untouched on that cross how dare they not add the blood and the wounds How dare they put you in gold and silver? How dare they not add the sweat, blood and tears? How dare they not add your mother's screams? How dare they not include your brother's cries? How dare they remove you so far from pain and suffering that we've forgotten what you're all about? How dare we not look in the face of a Syrian boy who's lost his brother? not see your face how dare they forget how dare we forget 